This is Theology Refresh. I'm David Mathis. Our topic today is ministry idolatry. Very significant topic, and we have Jared Wilson here to help us out with it. Jared, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, David. Jared is pastor in Middletown Springs, Vermont, and he has written some, speaks some on this topic of ministry idolatry. I mean, we could call it various things. Uh, what are we getting? Some folks may be surprised to hear ministry idolatry. What, what, what do you even mean? What is it? Express for us, what is ministry idolatry? Well, I think it is, um, if you just take the ministry away and see what is idolatry, um, begin to see um, that idolatry can be um, worship of anything that isn't God, or is worship of anything that isn't God, which can include good things. And I know that's sometimes difficult for us to um, to understand, to think of um, family as, you know, uh, being an idol or our spouse being an idol. And so when you think of ministry idolatry, um, it can be deceptive for ministers because we are used to doing what we think is the Lord's work. We, you know, we're in um, Christian ministry, we're proclaiming the gospel, we're tending to Christ's people. Um, and so it, it's difficult to, um, uh, to think of that as, as a potential worship of something other than God. But I think um, it becomes idolatrous, anything becomes idolatrous, when we are trusting in it or finding in it uh, the pleasure, satisfaction, fulfillment, validation, justification that we should be finding in God. Um, and so if a minister, for instance, can't imagine being out of ministry as if it would be hopeless to be outside of ministry, that's a pretty good indication that he um, worships in an idolatrous way his ministry. It can be so subtle and and so deadly and poisonous because of that, because uh, our own relationship with Jesus can be so closely bound up to it. Uh, any, any thoughts on that and the difficulty in identifying it and becoming aware of it? Yeah, uh, well, I think um, it, it's difficult to manifest itself in different ways in different seasons of ministry. So um, when things are difficult, when there is um, what we might call, um, you know, you, even suffering, circumstantial suffering, but lean seasons, mm -hmm. times where there doesn't seem to be a lot of fruit or there doesn't seem to be a lot of growth in the church or the numbers are down or the, you know, the finances aren't great or there's conflict going on. And, um, you know, for whatever reason, it's a, de a depressive season for a, a pastor, which, you know, anyone who's in ministry for, um, you know, uh, a good length of time will have a season like that. There's going to be those difficult seasons. So then where our heart goes um, in those times is a good indication of what we're worshiping or what we're trusting in. And it doesn't mean you can't be sad. We're not saying, you know, you're happy that there are bad things happening. Um, but if um, you, you feel devastated, if there's a sense of despair there, if your identity is so bound up in these things that you cannot hope in God or trust in God, if the joy is being, um, you know, sucked out of you through these difficult times, that I think is a good sort of red flag or, or, or warning sign that you're, try, you're finding your identity in your ministry. But now on the other side, when there's such great success or when there's lots of growth and great things are happening and people love you and you're getting all kinds of compliments on the sermon and the ministry and um, everyone's happy, that can be um, dangerous in a different way and perhaps even more dangerous. Where if our, our identity is attached to that, where I think we see idolatry is um, number one, if it's taken away, if there's some disappointment that we overreact to because we're so used to um, this high, you know, the drug, uh, that it to come down a little bit angers us. Or when we begin to realize that we're not really content, that to, you, you know, you've established a goal and so many ministers, so many pastors have a vision for where they want their church to go, which isn't a bad thing. 
We want our people to grow. We want to see good things happening. But we envision what that looks like. And then when you get there and you realize, oh, now I have an, a new place I want to go or a new thing, there's no contentment. There's no um, in, inner stability of the soul. There's always this wanting, uh, almost a spiritual greed taking place. I think then you see ministry idolatry even in success. Mm -hmm. So uh, I mean, awareness is a help just to, to be aware that, that ministry can become an idol for you. And when you have that awareness, when you sense something like, oh, wow, that that was pulling on my heart. I was more there emotionally than I expect. How do you fight? Where would you, how would you help a pastor fight that idolatry? Yeah, well, I think, um, you know, you, we're always returning to the gospel. Um, you know, all of life is repentance, as Luther says. And so we're always returning. Um, those of us of the reform persuasion, or was, you know, semper reformanda, we're always reforming. And I think um, that doesn't mean we're always morphing, always changing. I think it means we're always returning to the gospel. We're all constantly wanting to be reformed by the gospel. And so it's imperative for uh, a pastor to go to those indicatives as early as possible, every day, as often as he can, to find his identity, to find his satisfaction, his, his fulfillment, his pleasure, his joy in Christ alone, because Christ doesn't change. There, there, you know, there's no shadow of turning with Jesus. He's not going to love you one day and hate you the next. He's not going to approve of you one day and disapprove of you the next. Um, he is the great security, the great stability. So if we um, are as in touch as we can be, if the gospel is settled um, as deeply as it can be and we're pushing it deeper into us, the highs and lows of all of the outside circumstances can come and go and um, we have that, that security. We don't feel um, hopeless. We don't feel like, well, I'm being pressed but I, but, uh, and I'm being destroyed. We, we feel like oh, this is really difficult, but... I know God's got this, and um, I know um, that He loves me, He approves of me, that He will be my satisfaction, that He is enough, that He is sufficient. Um, you, you have to fight it with the gospel and not any, um, any other strategy because everything else comes from man's power. Yeah. How about uh, personal help for pastor in terms of wife, ministry associate, friends, any, any advice in regards to that? Uh, you mean for them or how, how to, would you... How to fight the idolatry, to, mix, you know, to confess someone else, have accountability? Uh, absolutely. Well, you know, to, what I think is having a, a minister who will have people close to him that he can trust, who will be truth tellers. Um, you know, pastors who have a team, if you have an elder board, um, accountability partners or, or whatever it is, um, those who are closest to you in ministry, you know, certainly your spouse, they need to be authorized to tell you the truth. Um, and not just that you're saying, hey, you need to tell me the, the truth. If I'm you know, off the reservation or if I've done something terrible, if, um, and if I'm not quite right, if I'm in sin, whatever it is, you need to tell me. I, I need to know about that. But you need to um, back that up. You need to validate that so that when the, the first time someone comes and the next time someone comes and points something out, um, you know, the impulse then is to, uh, you know, bring, you know, you know, the inner defense lawyer kind of pops up and helps you defend yourself and tell them why they're wrong and why you're right and trying to justify yourself. Um, so they may test it to say, you know, hey, you kind of messed up here or, you know, I feel like you're a little off here and, you know, you know I see a little sin here. Or, you know, can I challenge you on this? You validate, you give them more freedom to be honest with you. Um, by listening and, and receiving it well, which is a challenge unto itself. But you really need to authorize people um, to speak the truth to you and not just have yes men around. Yeah. Yeah, and just bring this question on you. If uh, maybe somebody's hearing about ministry idolatry for the first time, they're 
recognizing that roots go deep mm. and they feel like they need to go through a little recovery plan. Okay. Uh, some extended study, reflection, uh, giving attention to this for a season. Sure. Uh, anything you'd recommend to, to supplement the daily preaching of the Bible? Any, any reading they could do or listening or, or thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think any, um, any reading along the lines of idolatry, things that help you with litmus tests, um, you know, David Pallison has some great stuff out there. Uh, Paul Tripp, of course, Keller, and you know, um, that have good diagnostic questions mm-hmm. Even um, I think Pallison has a list of questions. And, the X-ray um, questions. Yeah, the X-ray questions yeah. where um, you know, so those are good heart tests mm-hmm. that go a little bit deeper than just what am I doing, yes. but what am I trusting, what am I feeling, what am I believing, th- those sorts of questions. Um, you know, uh, w- one of the best questions, and and um, uh, Dr. Ferguson just referred to it in the conference talk uh, uh, recently, is where does your mind go mm-hmm. um, when you when you're alone? And I remember hearing that from Keller, and finding that really penetrating. Is if when you're all by yourself. Um, what do you daydream about? Like, where does your brain go? And what are you entertaining with your mind? And so that's good. I think um, if it's possible, and for a lot of ministers it's not possible, but if it's possible to withdraw a little bit from certain aspects of ministry, if you have qualified people that you can trust to kind of take over different things just for a short period of time or a season so that um, you, you have time to kind of step back, what does it feel like to not be needed on that Sunday morning? What does it feel like to not be in the pulpit um, for that Sunday? Do you ha- is it such a, a rush for you that you can't stand to not be there, to not be needed? Um, you know, those are all, I think, good key questions and experiences to try to um, uh, uh, be engaged with. Any final exhortation you'd have for, for leaders on this topic? Yeah, I, I think what I would say is um, it is important to begin asking these questions now and pursuing the gospel now before um, you know, the, the rugs pulled out from under you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those times are important too, and, and they're going to happen, but it is good to be prepared. It's good to be holding hands with Jesus when suffering comes, yeah. uh, rather than in the dark trying to find where he is. Um, he's right there next to you. He's, he, it's not that he has left, but it's good to be prepared um, so that when these difficult times come, you're not thinking, well, why would this happen? I've, you know, I'm such a good pastor or, or, or what have you. Um, but, you know, if Christ is your hope, if Christ is your um, fulfillment, um, any season of ministry, any season of life can be a time of joy because you have Christ and He is your joy. Thanks. Would you close us in prayer? Absolutely. Heavenly Father, I pray for um, pastors who may be um, listening to this, watching this. I pray for their wives and their families, uh, especially, Father, because when we are engaged in any kind of idolatry, it can wreak such havoc on those who are close to us. And so I pray you would have used this talk, that you would um, use any pursuit of the word that comes out of it, uh, any deep um, heart searching um, questions, ponderings, um, that you would use those things to sharpen those who watch uh, for the good of your church and for the glory of your son. And it's in his name that we pray, amen.